0: hello everyone and welcome to our online service again today Um, if you're watching for the first time my name is john basson one of the pastors at connect church uh, in cape town some of you may have heard of what is called ripley's believe it or not uh, which was founded by a man by the name of robert ripley who documented facts and events that are almost impossible to believe when you read about them. Now, I've used this title, Believe It or Not, as the title um, of the message this morning because the book of Exodus is one of those, Believe It or Not, stories which documents how the whole nation of Israel was released from slavery in Egypt in around about 1446 B.C., The story shows what happens when people choose to believe God. When people believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And there is a sense in which as unbelievable as the Exodus account sounds, you and I are being invited to believe God. You and I are invited to have faith in what he says as well. Now, Exodus chapter 3 begins with a rather unusual event, where God is speaking to a man by the name of Moses from a bush, from within a bush that was burning and yet wasn't being consumed. Now, now Moses was born to a Hebrew couple at a very, very tough time in Egypt. To try and stem the population growth, uh, Pharaoh had instructed the Hebrew midwives to kill every male child that was born to the Hebrews. And when that fails, they are then told to drown every little boy that's born to an Israelite mother. And so that's some of the context in which Moses is born. Very difficult days, very dark days, very difficult circumstances. But then you'll remember that Moses is found by Pharaoh's daughter, as he's floating in a little basket on the river Nile, nah, and she adopts him as her own son. And so he grows up, uh, and until one day he sees an Egyptian god killing one of his fellow Israelites, or literally beating him to death. And so Moses takes things into his own hands, and he kills this Egyptian god, and then he buries his body in a shallow grave in the sand. Pharaoh gets to hear of this and wants to kill Moses. And so Moses has to flee into the desert where for 40 years he ends up looking after somebody else's sheep. So that's a little bit of a background to the story of this man Moses. He He was saved in a rather miraculous way. If you think about how his mother and father, believing it was a special child, placed him in this basket on the River Nile. He's found by Pharaoh's daughter. He is adopted by who he's able to grow up in the palace with all of the privileges that would have come with that. Then one day, seeing an Egyptian god beating up one of his fellow Israelites, he kills this man. And he is forced to flee into the desert where one day God speaks to Moses. And you know, these chapters confront us with one of those believe it or not facts, that God speaks to people. God speaks to people like Moses, and God speaks to people like you and me. Let's read that account from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I'll go over and see the strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said to him, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And, you know, as we read through the Bible, it becomes apparent that there are accounts of God speaking to people all the time. In this account in Exodus chapter 3, we have the record of God speaking to Moses about leading the nation of Israel out of captivity, of confronting Pharaoh, this very powerful man. In the book of Joshua, we read about Joshua as he's about to go into battle against Jericho, and God speaks to him there. In the book of of Judges, we read about a man by the name of Gideon, whom God speaks to about defeating the Midianite army, where the Midianites were oppressing his people. God speaks to Jeremiah in the prophecy of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is called to be the prophet of God, who is going to speak to God's people on his behalf. And we come to the New Testament, we read the story about the Apostle Paul. And God speaks to him and tells him that he is his chosen instrument to tell the Gentiles and to tell the Jews about Jesus. Or we remember that account of where, where God speaks to a man by the name of Philip. Because he needs to explain the meaning of an Old Testament passage to an Ethiopian traveler. And you know that the deliverance of the, the nation of Israel begins to take place because Moses believed that God was speaking to him through a burning bush. In verse 4 of Exodus chapter 3, it says, God called him from to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And you know, to me, the significance of this story is that God is still speaking to his people today, to people like you and me. And while it may not always be through a burning bush, what is important is that you and I believe that God still speaks to his people. He speaks to us through the Bible. You see, the Bible does not just contain facts about God, but it is one of the primary ways in which God speaks to his people today, He speaks through the Holy Spirit and there are so many accounts, particularly in the book of Acts as you read through the book of Acts, as God spoke to people by the Holy Spirit. In fact in Acts chapter 13 we read of God speaking to a whole church to set about set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work to which God had called them. God speaks through prophetic words. God speaks through dreams and for and visions. And, you know, there have been a number of very significant occasions in which God has spoken to me through his word. I remember in my earlier years of ministry, I'd been, uh, I been—I was a youth pastor at a church in Johannesburg. And, and while on vacation one day, I was spending some time in God's word and I was reading through Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, And in chapter one, verses six and seven, I read these words. You have stayed with this mountain long enough. Break camp and advance into the hill country. And as I read those words, there was a sense for me, God was saying, your time in this church is over. Prepare yourself for a move. And it was interesting that literally three months later, I was invited to take over the responsibility of a national youth ministry And because God had prepared my heart and spoken to me, I was able to accept that invitation. But you know, in the Exodus story, we are also confronted with the believe it or not fact that God uses people just like you and me. You know, God's answer to the prayers of the Israelite people in Egypt was to enlist somebody like Moses. Moses was going to be his man on the ground. He's going to be the person that God uses. In fact, let's read about that in verses uh, 7 to 10 of Exodus chapter 3. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And listen to this in verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And you know, like many of us, Moses found that incredibly difficult to accept. In verse 11, we read, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And what, what, what Moses was, was, was talking about was not his identity, who am I? But what he was really saying to God is God was speaking to him and calling him to this role and this responsibility. He was saying, God, I don't feel up to the task. I, I don't know that I'm qualified for this task. You know, it seems that as though this is something that so many of us grapple with because God has involved each one of us in his great plan of salvation on the earth. God calls each one of us to be involved. God instructs each one of us to be involved. You remember those those verses in Matthew chapter 28 so well known to all of us. It says that when then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And listen to verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted.
1: And then Jesus
0: came to them. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Five times Moses expresses his reservations because the task seems too big for him. But eventually he comes to the point of saying to God, I'm not the person for the job. Rather send somebody else. Have you ever done that in that verse 13 of chapter four? But Moses said, Lord, please send somebody else to do it. I wonder if that's been your experience. I know there have been times where where God has spoken to me and called, uh, spoken to me about things that he wants me to do. And I'm saying, God, but I feel so inadequate. I feel uh, as though I'm not uh, sufficiently trained and adequate for the task. But you know, like Moses, when we come to the realization that God has spoken to us and called us to be involved in his great plan of salvation for all people. When we hear him and when we listen to him and when we receive what he's saying to us, it will have an impact on what we do. No, firstly, we will, we will accept the responsibility that God is entrusting to us. If it is about making disciples, then we will receive that. And we will recognize that the responsibility of making disciples rests on all of us. It's not just a job for the pastor or the full-time workers of the church. When we listen to God in this way and we accept the fact that God is speaking to us about the responsibility we have of making disciples, we will make sure that we set aside time in our schedules to actually do this. You see, that's the knock-on effect of us believing that God is going to use people like you and me. Thirdly, we'll put a plan of action in place to disciple the people that God has entrusted to us. And fourthly, we will be alert to all of the opportunities around us to share the gospel. You may remember in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 to 4, a great persecution breaks out against the church. A man by the name of Stephen um, has been stoned. And so people are forced to flee from Jerusalem because of this great persecution. And we read these words on the day, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul. Began to destroy the church and going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and he put them in prison. But listen to this. Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And here were believers who were being forced to flee because of this great persecution. But although, even though they'd been forced to flee, they were preaching the word wherever they had opportunity. You remember And Paul is writing to the Philippian church. He's writing from a Roman prison. He's probably under house arrest in Rome. And as he looks at his situation, as he looks at his imprisonment, he says to the believers, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Isn't that amazing that God chooses people like you and people like me in his great plan of salvation on the earth. Believe it or not. Then the Exodus story confronts us with another one of those believe it or not facts. It's the fact that God is with each one of us, every one of us. You know, you know, God's response to, to Moses' reluctance and sense of inadequacy isn't to try and convince him that he's the right man for the job. Maybe you and I would have done that. God could have said to Moses, well, you remember, Moses, you grew up in the palace and you've been trained as a leader and you've had all of the privilege of that kind of upbringing. In fact, you know what Pharaoh's like, you know his strengths and you know his weaknesses. You're just the man for the job. But God's answer to his sense of inadequacy is the same as it is every time one of us feels the same way. He says, I will With you, I will be with you. God doesn't give us a nice fuzzy feeling about things, God doesn't change our personality, He simply promises to be with us. You know, when we start comparing ourselves to others or feel overwhelmed with the task, we mustn't miss the point that when that happens, we're reminded that God has called each one of us to do what we do for Him. In the strength that God provides, through the enabling that God provides, by the Spirit of God and the power of God that is in us. You know, the Israelites were not saved just because Moses was such a wonderful leader. The Israelites were saved from slavery because God did what he said he would do. Listen to this in chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 of Exodus. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Here's God speaking to Moses. And he's speaking to Moses and he's saying to Moses, when you appear before Pharaoh, I want you to be aware of this. Pharaoh is going to harden his heart. Pharaoh is going to be resistant. Pharaoh isn't going to listen to what he's going to say. The only time when Pharaoh is going to do that is when a mighty hand compels him. And then God goes on to say, and so I will stretch out my hand and I will strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. You know, when Jesus commissioned his disciples and when he called on his uh, on his disciples, those 11 disciples to take on the task of discipling the nations of the world as people across the world would come to follow Christ and become believers. And he said, and surely I am with you or I will be with you even to the very end of the age. But interestingly enough, Jesus did not stop there. He he tells them to, to wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Spirit. And to me, this is very, very significant because Jesus didn't just give them this command to go and make disciples, teaching everybody to obey what he had commanded them. Uh, he he could have said to them, well, you, you've been around me long enough. You've seen me doing what I've d- done. You've heard all of my teachings. Now I go, no, he says to them, go and wait in Jerusalem because you need the outpouring of the Spirit." And we read that in Acts chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And friends, all I want to say to you today is this. I know what it means to receive that power. When God poured out his spirit in my life, there was a very significant change because I suddenly was doing what I was doing through God's enabling and God's empowering in my life. But then the Exodus story confronts us with yet another one of those believe it or not truths. And it's the fact that God cares about people. You know, last week I was, I was listening to Matt Redmond. Some of you know he's the Christian songwriter. And his wife, Beth, talking about how they became Christians. And Beth, his wife, made the, the statement that at a very difficult time in her life, God made a way for her to come to faith. And it was through the local church that she'd been invited to and was attending at the time. But, but when I listened to their stories of the, the brokenness in their lives, the stories of abuse and broken families, it reminded me again of how much God cares about what's happening in people's lives. May I say that again? God really cares about what ha- what's happening. In people's lives, in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. That's where the title of this this, uh, series comes from. The God who sees, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. I'm concerned for them. God cares about people. And contrary to what so many people are saying today, God cares about what people are going through. God cares about brokenness. God cares about their hardship. God cares about their suffering. God cares about their oppression. You know, that's why Jesus came and died for people. Because God really cares. Believe it or not, the reason that God called Moses, the reason that God did signs and wonders through the plagues that were to come upon Pharaoh and all of Egypt, was that he was concerned about the plight of his people. We read a similar statement in the New Testament In Romans chapter 5, you see just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to to die. But then listen to this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is an Old Testament picture of what God is still doing in people's lives today. You know, Jesus knew that the one thing that would stop people in their tracks was not the might of Rome or persecution or opposition. The one thing that stops people in their tracks, whether they're believers or not, is doubt and unbelief in God and his ways. You see, our real enemy is not persecution. Our real enemy isn't opposition and hardship. Time and time again, we've learned that these kinds of things only make us stronger. It's when doubt and unbelief gain a foothold in our lives. They keep people from God's great salvation through Jesus and Christians from serving God. But when we believe God... As big as that might sound and as impossible as that might sound. When we believe God, that God is faithful and true, lives are changed and the church is mobilized. You know, in the face of of much opposition, hardship and persecution, the words of the Apostle Paul still ring true today. He said, yet I'm not ashamed in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Today, you have been invited to consider whether you believe that God still speaks to people. Do you really believe that? Because it will transform your life as it has transformed my life. When I know and understand that God still speaks to his people today. Do you believe that God uses people like you and like me? And sometimes we will feel our inadequacy and we will be aware that the task is far bigger than what we can imagine. But we still believe that God uses ordinary people like you and me. Do you believe That God is with you as well. God was with Moses. Jesus said to his disciples, I will be with you even to the very end of the age. And what he meant is that he would be with each one of his people as they obey him to go and make disciples. You believe that God still cares about people today. Believing these truths has brought salvation to so many people who have needed God. And it's mobilized thousands of Christians who have listened to what he's saying. Believe it or not, today, God is the God who still speaks. Believe it or not, God still uses people like you and me. Believe it or not, God is with people like you and me by his spirit. Believe it or not, God cares about the plight of people in this world. And I trust and I pray today. That you will be encouraged as you embrace these, believe it or not, facts. And may they transform your life and my life. Let's pray together. Father, I, I just come before you today in recognition that we stand in awe of you, a mighty God the God who cares about people's lives. Lord, there there may be people listening this morning who are wondering whether you really care. And Father, I just pray that that they may be able to receive that truth, that, that you really care about their lives, that people who call on the name of the Lord today will be saved, that, God, you've empowered your church by the Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to us today, because it is your plan and your design that people would know God and come into a relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus. And Father, I just pray again, the outpouring of your Spirit over us, Lord, that, that we will be mobilized in the day and age where things seem so dark, because Jesus is the light of the world. He is the, the bread that, that, that feeds us. He is the one that energizes us and gives us life. Oh, Father, I just pray, move in our hearts again today. In Jesus' name. Amen.